So it seems pretty, and let me be punny here, odd that Ajab is in Goldeneye. Ajab is not in Goldeneye. Dude, he clearly is. Everybody knows this. Do, do you think we're recording a podcast about the N64 game Goldeneye? Aren't we? No. Then I'm not prepared for this. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. Thank you, Mr. Bond. Name's Bond. James Bond. So we're clearly not doing a podcast on the N64 game Goldeneye, mm-hmm. but boy, was that a great game. It was. And, and like every time I uh, enjoyed a scene in the movie, I was like, mm-hmm. I, that was one of my favorite levels in, in the video game. Right. You know, I, that game was so much of my, not childhood, but my growing up. Right, right. It was, it was really cool, especially the opening sequence, because that's my favorite uh, my favorite. Um, level in the in the game. That was my favorite level for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. That one in the satellite, like when you're trying to kill people, so you hide. You can go in the um, the control room. Yeah, where uh, like Boris is, mm-hmm. and they're doing all the code. You yeah. go in there, and then there was a corridor up top uh-huh. that you would see on the radar. Someone's in there, and then when they go into the room, you just fucking cap them once they come in. <laughs> it was great. It would just murder people, and then the. The, the opening scene when they're in the, the, the Russian dam. Yeah. Um, that was a great level to be odd job because there's a lot of corners to turn. Uh-huh. And then if you remember, there was the windows. So like you would look into a room yeah. and just think it was clear and go oh, in to like get on? ammo. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And just like, pop! <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Yes. Although I was always stubborn when I played that game. Even knowing that Oddjob was the character that you would want to beat other people, I constantly wanted to be James Bond. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, the guys I played with, we didn't use Oddjob that much. Yeah, it was. I know a lot of people. It was taboo. Yeah, you were you were real. Uh, you were real pansy. Yeah. If uh, you use the Oddjob character. Yeah, that's one of the games I remember. Literally staying up through the entire night playing playing before in multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Having having people come over and stay the night and then uh, Mario Kart. Yep. The, the original Mario that came with the N64, mm-hmm. uh, Zelda, and Goldeneye. Those yeah. four games. And uh, Star Fox. Did you ever play? Uh, Star Fox was great. Yeah, yeah, those five games, it was worth the price of an N64. And you actually have the reboot, if you will, of... For the Nintendo Wii? And we've never played it yet. It's, it kind of sucks. Oh, really? doesn't live up to the... Yeah, I, I have Quantum of Solace for the Wii, and I was not very impressed by it. Nah. I think Goldemar just set such a high... Yeah. High expectation. And the Wii is pretty much good for bowling and tennis, let's be honest. Yeah. Of which we are champion tennis players. We are. Champion duo. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So this, uh, you want to tell people about the GoldenEye and what film it was and whatnot? Well, I mean, before a little, this is a kind of a long intro, but Mm -hmm. we got some important stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. If you are an iPhone user, you've been kind of spoiled. We always say, download us on iTunes. And our Android, uh, I know you have a few friends that were like, oh, we would listen, but we don't have iTunes. They can't use that bullshit excuse anymore. They're working on new ones now. No, they're (laughs) going to have to come up with some other reasons not to listen to us. We are on Podbean. Mm-hmm. We are on Stitcher. Uh-huh. So, uh, from my understanding, Podbean's pretty big in the Android world. So, 
uh, you can do that. Or if you have the Stitcher app, which uh, we got accepted to do that. So there's multiple. You can go on our website, which right now we're hosted at the Lion Eyes. You can go to mm-hmm. um, Podcast. com backslash bonding over bond. Yep. And then every uh, one of the podcasts you have, you just click on that podcast. You can listen on the site. You could go to iTunes, search Bonding Over Bond. Mm-hmm. You could listen to us to that way. You could go to Podbean, search Bonding Over Bond, find us. Or you can go to Stitcher and search Bonding Over Bond. A lot of ways you can listen to our content. Yeah. So there's no excuses anymore for uh, anybody. If you're trying to tell people that you're friends with that like James Bond, and they're like, oh, I, I have an Android. <laughs> and these these mofos are Apple exclusive. We are... Open to business for everybody. It's a big day for us. Yeah, yeah. On a lot of platforms, I thought yeah. that was that was big. And, and Goldeneye, I think, deserves kind of a big intro. Yeah, I agree. It was the first James Bond film I got to see in theaters. You know, I'm still trying to think about what the first one was for me. And it, it may have been this one. No, I think it probably was. It was clearly this one, yeah. yeah. My dad was pretty pumped to take me to a James Bond film. I was old enough when this came out. I was uh, 13 Yeah. when this came out. So, yeah, it was pretty... Pretty excited. It was my birthday month. They've traditionally uh, that's right. Yeah, November yeah. Since is, that uh, since that fiasco of License to Kill with the whole summer yeah. nonsense, they've been pretty much a December, a November, December. Yeah, you gotta know um, you can uh, mostly November. Against, yeah. yeah, so that's that's always pretty exciting for me when a Bond film comes out. It's uh, usually around my birthday. So yeah, that's a. Uh, you drinking anything? I am. I'm uh, drinking a Lillet. Yeah. Life is mm-hmm. some uh, lime juice and, and seltzer water. What are you drinking? Okay, a uh, a shandy. Because you've had those before in the podcast. It's not related to James Bond at all. I did have a martini last night, so we'll uh, we'll count that. No, that sounds good. Ready to bond? I am ready to bond. Golden eye, I found his weakness. Goldeneye, an original story, however, the name of Ian Fleming's house in Jamaica. It's a 17th Bond film, released in 1995 and starring, for the first time, Pierce Brosnan. Who? How about an Aaliyah to send to our 0030 segment, where we summarize the film in 30 seconds? Mm Mm-hmm. 0030. This pretty boy playing Bond. We meet Bond infiltrating a Russian chemical weapons factory with 006. Spoiler, 006 dies. Well, not really. He ends up being a villain in this film. We learn the Golden Eye is a space laser weapon of some sorts. Wait, haven't we seen this before? Anyways, 006, aka Trevelin, is using the space laser to steal money from the British government. Bond interferes with his plan with the help of Natalia Semenov, 
Former Russian programmer of the GoldenEye. Bond ends up killing his former brother-in-arms in Cuba. For England, James? No, for me. P.S. Great N64 game, and M is now a woman. Line just barely... Just barely in, but you got it. You got it. That bell is at 33. It's a little late, but you got it. You were in. Good work. Thank you. Good work. I think uh, you saw me lean in there. I did. Kind of rushed in. I sensed it. Yeah. I also feel like that bell is not in a mutual place for me to... <laughs> that's that's a lot of leaning I got to do. That's uh, a little bit. All right. There. All right. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Feeling confident? I mean, I'm like back-to-back losses. Can't so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <clears throat> in three... Whenever I hear a bell. Two. One. A good Bond film, a legendary, legendary Nintendo game. The Cold War is over, as is legal trouble for Eon Productions. A new Bond is cast, and the series is alive and well. Hopefully, 006 is not. However, 006 is not. Nine <laughs> years after he was killed in Russia, a secret prototype helicopter is stolen, used as a getaway vehicle for the theft of the GoldenEye satellite. Bond lands in Russia, meets with a new CIA operative, since Felix is missing an arm and a leg, and an old KGB counterpart to get closer to the truth. Guess what? 006 is alive and behind it all, and is doing it all for family revenge and money. Not to worry, after crazy train... Tank chase, train explosion, and Cuba satellite scene. Bond wins out, not for England, but for himself. 35 seconds. Just so much failure, back to back. Close. Man. I think you got overconfident in the amount you can squeeze in in 30 seconds. I think I have, yeah. Because there's a lot of big words in there and a lot of complex... It's a good summary. It is. Just knocking them out of the park. Loose ends? Not really. However, there is. Henchwoman? Um, the whole, the whole, you had texted me about this and we'll expand more when we have uh, more time in a different format to go into the whole history of it. But you were quite fascinated with the, the historical aspect of the, um, the, the the driving, uh, plot of the movie, um, why 006 would betray England. And yeah, that's a lot. That's a like, uh, that's a lot of forethought Mm -hmm. for an angry ass orphan to just be like, I'm going to grow up. Mm Mm-hmm. Infiltrate the secret spy organization of this country and then betray these motherfuckers for killing my parents. And this is not really the place to talk about it, but I just want to drop the nugget. We can talk more in detail in the movie segment. But I was really kind of confused the more I thought about it. So did he plan to get caught in the chemical weapons factory? No, he had double-crossed them. James, I don't think James was supposed to walk out of that alive. Oh, Okay. Because they like pretended to kill him, yeah, and then that's why he got the scar because he told James put the blast for six, oh. so he knew he had three minutes for everyone to get out. I don't, yeah, yeah. So like he he had planned this. James is supposed to get killed. See, the problem I had with it, it was it took nine years from that point to get to to Goldeneye, or uh, to yeah the Goldeneye stage where they go to Servanai or whatever. Yeah, that's some long-term... That's a long-term yeah. freaking... That's some Blofeld inspector. Like, yeah. you're thinking crazy long-term. They're going to send James on this mission. You've anticipated his every thought. Mm. It's pretty good. I well, like Well, I guess it. we don't have to talk about that later because you answered the question there. Maybe we will. Okay. No, not that one. Any other loose ends? Uh, not really. I just have, you know, on the top. We don't talk about her, but we will eventually. I mean, that, that was a loose end in my summary, but uh-huh. it's not really that important, honestly. Okay. To the overall theme of the film okay so that brings us to my favorite segment the segment you love and the segment i hate yeah bond for the non-bond you know it's pretty pretty boring if i just said 
new Bond. Yeah, especially since that was uh, not too long not ago. Not too long ago. In our timeline, although historically that's uh, it's been eight years since a new Bond. Yeah. A lot of a lot of drama though in those. Uh, yeah, are you gonna go with your traditional? No, I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna new Bond. I haven't, you know, traditionally when I do my run, my rundown for our recordings, I don't ever put anything there because I want to think about it live. And I think I would do new Bond. Mm-hmm. Cold War's over for mm-hmm. a while now. Um, it's not making me want to see this film. No, uh, they turned it into a great N64 game. It's none of those words. I'm just gonna play the N64 game. Yeah. Here's my here's my question. This is myself for the movie. Okay. Do you like '90s action films oh, and yeah. or do you like James Bond films? If you say yes to either of those, watch Goldeneye. So it's like a Venn diagram. Yeah. You take a James Bond film and a '90s action film, and you splice them together, and you get and right in the 90s, middle is Goldeneye or Goldeneye. Excuse yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I think that the, 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 the Venn the Venn diagram would be great James Bond films, great action films, and then you have this little great '90s action films, and then the little in the middle, Goldeneye. When the day comes, we actually go live with bondingoverbond.com. We should put that Venn diagram up there, which is why I'm writing it down in my notebook. And then on the outside of that Venn diagram mm-hmm. would be um, Die Another Day. Although I think that's a did, was that in '99 or was that in was that the new millennium? Uh, there were four, 2002. 2000, because uh, Casino Royale was 2006. There were four years between. Not Die Another Day. The World is not, not enough. enough. I believe that was it's, 99. Yeah, World Not. Yeah. So that does not quite make the Venn diagram. I'll put it up there. Okay. Yeah. I don't, don't want to get off track there, but yeah. Okay. Which, uh, so let's go to our unique distinguished debauchery. I don't think we talk enough. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. This is a very unique section mm-hmm. of our podcast. Mm-hmm. One might say, it's what makes us unique. The distinguished like, debauchery? Yeah. I think, think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like, you know, you know how I feel about distinguished debauchery. It's your baby. Kind of. But yeah. you, I mean, you put it to light. I mean, you put it in context to James Bond. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really giving mm-hmm. it some legs, if you will. Yeah. So without I, further ado. The Distinguished Debauchery of 007. I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard, but it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. By the cut of his suit you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally think human beings dress like that. But you were it with such disdain. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect Queen and country. Beautiful. Now and then a trigger has to be pulled. Or not pulled. It's hard to know which in your pajamas. Q. 007. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. Martinis. Rank on the scale of zero to five olives. For me in this movie, I had one olive. I had two. Yeah. We go back to... There's. I like the... Um, I like this movie because I never realized when I watched it as a youngster mm-hmm. and even before doing this entire project where I'm going through and I'm looking at the series as a whole, there's a lot of nods in GoldenEye to 
just Ian Fleming to the novels to James Bond as a character. Uh, and I really appreciated that. And one of them is M and the bourbon. Yeah. You know, it's just going, you know, he makes a little joke about, you know, your predecessor. Sure had some brandy. Yeah. And she's sure first. Bourbon. Yeah. Was it brandy? Did she? Either way, yeah. He, M preferred brandy. I love that scene. I think though. she said whiskey. She might have said whiskey. I'm not sure if she said whiskey or bourbon. Mm-hmm. But it's a nod to, you know, being the traditional drink, actually, yep. of the... Uh, of the Bond films. And the, I'm reading his, I'm rereading his short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, actually not rereading. I'm reading, I've never actually read any of the short stories. I've mm-hmm. read some of the novels. And um, in For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. he just made himself a coffee and bourbon. And I'm like, whoo, that's a morning drink right that's there, James. That's a combo right that's there. A, and then he uses it to clean out, uh, in the novel, her name's Judy Heblock. He uses that to clean out a bullet wound. And I was like, did you not learn sanitation in MI6 training? <laughs> That's not safe. But he does have the Bollinger. Yep. Just to wrap up real quickly. Uh, the Bollinger, the bourbon, the vodka, and uh, some red label Smirnoff. That's right. I, I, I missed that one. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just clicking off all the... Uh-huh. There's some champagne. There's some bourbon for the novel. There's a vodka martini for the film lovers. And of course, um, you know, the... the um, What's the word I want to look for? Smirnoff vodka. No, but when you um, like you, you you pay money to get your product into a film, um, what's that? There's a word that describes that the uh, product placement. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. What an idiot! There's always the product placement of the vodka with Smirnoff for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like if anybody was wondering how BMW got into the James Bond series, they played they paid excuse me a lot of money. Yeah, and you know how I feel about that to be the car of James Bond. Yeah. Back on martinis before we go on the cars. And this is the longest away. martini section we've I know, ever done. I know. By far, though, the best was the, the scene with M. Yeah. That was a good scene in general. Yep. Casino Royale. Rank from lowest poker hand to highest. I have a three of a kind. Okay. He has the Shem de Fer scene. Yep. Pretty close. <clears throat> yep. Uh, with on a top. Yep. And uh, loses a hand. And then uh, wins a hand. I need to... Sweetie. I need to learn how to play Shem de Fer. It's really pretty straightforward. So I have uh, no idea. Yep. Reread Casino Royale. Uh, I know we're going to get there eventually, but when yeah. you when you reread Casino Royale, Ian Thanks. Fleming does a great job of explaining how the game works. He writes a really good action sequence. I had forgotten mm-hmm. that, not having read him since like high school. Yep. How how well of an action sequence he can write. And you know I'm. He's clearly a sexist, so I also forgot that too. <laughs> and and I, it's you, I had to keep reminding myself he's writing in the fifties and sixties here. Mm-hmm. So there's, especially, and going back to what, because I just read it and I enjoyed it thoroughly, the mm-hmm. short story of For Your Eyes Only, there's like a three-page sequence where James Bond is internally thinking about Judy Hevlock, about what a bitch she is. And it's just like every other sentence, he's like, this bitch is going to get us killed. What does this bitch think she's doing? <laughs> I was like, James, settle down. <laughs> settle down. Yeah, I know you've warned me about that. <laughs> I haven't got to there, got there in the books yet, but... I do enjoy his full details when he... You know, yeah, he he's, uh, he's very specific. But, you know, the back of the Shem Fair, mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good scene. He looked good mm-hmm. in the tux. Uh, on a top was good. Meets, you know, meets her socially, of course. She has a cigar. I just thought it was a nice scene altogether. They did. There's a little insight on... And I know we're not really a trivia podcast. Mm-hmm. This is something very much more for the For Your Eyes Only when we get to that. But I, we have no idea when that's going to be on our schedule. Mm-hmm. In that scene, a little nugget for anybody listening... They had a contest at the end of uh, License to Kill, 
in which somebody could win a walk-on to a next James Bond. Mm-hmm. And this is when everyone thought, the the producers, that they were going to do um, Property of a Lady in 1991. Mm-hmm. So somebody won this contest. And I thought it was really great that they followed through. And in that scene, the Chem de Fer over on a top shoulder, there's a woman in like a really big deal, like a nightgown. Mm-hmm. Um, that woman was the winner of the contest. That's cool. And they reached out to her all those years later and they were like, we're finally doing a James Bond film. <laughs> you won a walk-on. Would you like to come on set? And that's when she was able to come on set when they were filming that scene. Nice. So I thought that was really cool. That's really that's cool. good on the producers to you know stick to their words. Turnbull and Asser rank from zero to five cuff links. Uh, so I'm not sure how you're feeling, but I'm really starting to like some of the outfits he's wearing. Pierce, Pierce, uh, Pierce is a good dresser. I, I like I said in the previous category, he looked good in the tux. There was mm-hmm. though I should probably just go to the thing I didn't like, and that was the uh, the dark blue double-breasted suit with the gold buttons when he jumped onto the monocore yacht mm-hmm. when he was trying to find out uh, information um that's just right. a 90s blazer it was horrible it was horrible and it was it's a 90s blazer and it, it, kind of a little bit of a, a flashback to roger moore era of the double breasted with the gold buttons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. but i had him at four cufflinks i had him at five you liked him that much i think he's ironically Are you prepared to defend that uh ironically i don't think in this film he's the best bond in a tux the tux i think is my least favorite uh, outfit I wrote down, you know, he's not the best Bond in a tux. He's no Connery, he's no Craig. Even Dalton in Living Daylights I thought was better. Although I will Back say... Over whatever he was doing. But still, he's a good tux. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that Pierce fits a tux better in the next few movies. They fit yeah. him better um, wearing a tux. I do like that he keeps the Connery and Dalton tradition of Bond being someone that would dress up. He's constantly in a collared shirt. He's usually wearing a blazer. He's got button-up. This is someone... Who goes to a tailor who has a good wardrobe, mm-hmm. who has a great fashion sense, and, and I he's think he's wearing an ascot. And absolutely, scene with the, uh, absolutely, he's a good the dresser. Psychologist, yeah, yeah, he's paying some money there. <laughs> he's he's going somewhere there specifically making clothes for him, and I did appreciate that. Yeah, so that's my five cufflinks. All right, Aston Martin rank from one to five hundred horsepower. This is pretty simple for me. Five hundred horsepower. Mm. We've got the uh, BMW Z3, but most of all. She's back, the Aston Martin DB5, but not just an Aston Martin DB5. <laughs> James Bond doesn't only drive Aston Martins when they are given to him by Q Branch. This is his. James Bond owns this specific Aston Martin. The BMT 214A? Yes. Not only does he own this one, James Bond has installed in it a wine chiller? Yeah. And they did, it does look like, even though it's his personal one, he's outfitted with the... Um, the the little fax thing mm-hmm. that he gets to print out, so he's able yeah. if he's still on on personal time, he can still do some mission work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, that's throwback to from Rush with Love. Yeah, absolutely. That's some badass stuff right there. So that alone, being the DB5, that's he's still driving. It's a beautiful car at this point. It's a classic. It's a thirty year old car. It gets five hundred horsepower at a pretty nice BMW. So let's clarify it now because this may change my ranking. There's two cars. There's one of the there few films. There cannot be two cars. He has a work car and a personal car. They are both outfitted by Q to do work-related missions. He drives both of them. He fucks a girl in the Aston Martin. 
how can you not include that is as that a bottom? Window? I mean, that sounded just the way you said that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I know is, doesn't in the next movie? I think in the next movie he, he makes also, an appearance. Yeah, so like, and then in the, and then in Do- I think and he not has die, and then every the, single movie and and world it gets cut. The Aston Martin does not make an appearance, and world is not enough. Does it happen? Die another day? I don't believe it does. If so remember, this is me very correct. important because this determines it, where I move this but, car. Um, but in, I don't know how you can have two vehicles. But in the next movie, it makes a cameo. The Aston Martin makes a cameo, and the next movie, this one, he's using it on in a mission. He's not in a mission. He's driving around with a psychologist, and he happens to see Anatop at the same time. Okay, so it's the beginning of a mission. Yeah. But he's doing field work. Is it an MI6 car? And the same question... Well, he... It, I was going to say... The it's BMW, MI6 outfitted. The BMW is definitely more MI6 outfitted because he warns... Uh, what's his name? The CIA guy. Mm-hmm. Don't touch any of the buttons. Right. So that is clearly the MI6 car. Well, they give it to him. But this one's clearly outfitted by MI6. I'm going to differ from you in here. We can continue this conversation sure. at a new time. I'm yeah. going with... 375 horsepower. Okay. The BMW is the official car. Yeah, I'll agree the... with that. Which I mentioned at first. But you're still It's the A five... car. But you like the BMW. I'm sorry, maybe I'm getting confused here because you like the BMWs. I like the BMWs. So you're giving the 500 horsepower for the BMW alone? No. Oh. The Aston Martin alone. The... This is Roger Maris asterisk next to a score here. Yeah, oh. There might be. Okay. If there was no Aston Martin, my score would probably be like 375. Which coincidentally is right where I'm at. But the Aston Martin, he which he uses in his mission. We clearly know that we clearly have people that listen to our podcast. Please, what's your opinion on this? Yeah. Thank you. You know what? Bondingoverbond.com. Yeah. Send us an email. Thank you. Tweet us. Right. Thank you. Q branch. Rank from zero to five Qs. For the Q branch, I have four... Q's. I'm at five. I could be con- persuaded to five Q's. In hindsight, I almost changed it. Four and a half is probably where I need to be. At. I put it at five because one, I love the scene. Q is clearly getting older. Yes. I thought Q was given a lot of funny lines. Yes, he was. That was I great enjoyed scene. their interaction with them. Yeah. I think you could almost the see. On the wall. Yeah. Uh, which no one knew it. That yeah. was. <laughs> But you could almost see that Pierce Brosnan as an actor was just really enjoying that inter- – his interaction with M and his interaction with Q. You could he, – he, because he's admitted in interviews that he was a James Bond fan yeah. before getting the role of James Bond. Like how impactful it was Goldeneye, Sean Connery and Goldeneye was to him as a person wanting to become an actor. Sean um, Connery and Goldfinger? Or excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Sean Connery and Goldfinger. Yeah. How impactful that film was to Pierce Brosnan's young mel- uh, young boy, mm-hmm. um, and then you could just see in those two films, like those two interactions with M and with Q, that he's like, "Fuck yeah, I'm James Bond." Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is James Bond. <laughs> but that scene when they're walking around, and there's not only the gadgets that M or excuse me that Q, Q. is giving to Bond, yeah. there's all the extra silliness. The telephone I was like, booth, with exactly. The sh- yeah, and then the guy's stuck in it. Yeah, they don't even and they walk him out. <laughs> They like wheel yep. and, and you can hear he's like, oh, uh. <laughs> but I have, here's, here's what I have. Yep. James Bond uses the BMW, the belt, the explosive pen, the Omega watch, the grapple and laser gun from yep. the mission. The opening sequence. Um, nine years ago. Yep. Which is kind of enough. Like I was looking back at some of the more era stuff 
that's that's a good number of gadgets that he has. Yeah. But then in the scene, we get to see the wheelchair, the the wheelchair rocket, the phone booth, the injector seat, and they have a car that has a parachute. Which to me, the car is supposed to fly out of a plane. Yeah. And has the parachute to be able to either that or to survive a dive off of a cliff. I didn't count those in there, uh, but I did enjoy every one of those things. Um, and I had a couple other small ones that aren't really important, like a binocular with image recording. Uh huh. Document. Oh, the, the X-ray. The document scanner yeah. serving plate that was from the scene. Yeah. The platter uh, with his British Airways ticket and everything. I think that's a, to me that's a five. It's, yeah. We've reached five. Q is clear. The Q branch is clearly working overtime. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and make my correction now. An official change. Five. Okay. License to kill. Rank from zero to seven rounds. This is. Off the charts. This is new territory. You can call shenanigans if you want. I'm officially ranking this uh, as seven with seven reloads because he has, and I checked this, 47 official kills. You are paying more attention than I am. It got to the point, I'm looking at my notes, and I watched this very recently, so it's very fresh. I lost count. I had to look up. I had to go get an official body count. Several. Numerous. Ten plus. Question you know, mark. Yeah, I have no idea. And and, and it's almost... In the opening scene, you have no idea how many people died. True. They, True. Some of those could be illnesses. Some of those, like, concussions. Some of those Russians could still be in comas nine years later. You have no idea. But the film, they released an official number of 47 kills. They did, where, can, yeah. Can I ask? Can we source that? Where did you get that from? We'll put the source online. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, my devil's advocate. Is it worse than reprogramming? The coordinates for nuclear missiles from two subs and blowing up the two subs and all their crews from the spy who loved me. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Which is kind of in its own rank anyway. Did we give that one a seven though too? I gave it two nuclear warheads. Yeah. I think you gave it a high number. No, no, no. That was the one you gave a very low number. I but then it. I forgot all about that and yeah. I rechanged it. Alright, so what was lastly your yours you essentially seven a seven with a reload of fourteen. No, it was seven reloads. Seven reloads. Seven times seven is forty nine. He had forty oh, forty seven okay. kills. He's got two bullets left over. Gotcha. One for you and me and all our bullshit. <laughs> Were there any that you uh enjoyed more than others? Because I really enjoyed the way Trevlin he killed Trevlin. I don't think I had any uh any kills more than the other that I rooted for. Gotcha. We'll talk about that in the movie. Yeah, sure. Finally, the quote, Bond girls, end quote, rank from zero to five suffragettes. Uh, I have it at one suffragette. So do I. And it's for the psychologist. So that's exactly why. That's exactly why yours are? Yeah. Just to clarify, just to, we've mentioned it in previous podcasts, but if you're stumbling across us and, and this is your first podcast, we do our... We watch separately, have our own notes, and we have no discussion about our notes ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And we found that sometimes we have things that are very much like this. But, uh, yeah. I thought uh, Anna Top was, you know, she is a Bond girl. Yeah. Um, she was very powerful. Uh, I like the fact that she's a cigar smoker. And I thought the uh, Natalia Simeonova, Simeonova. Uh, had the worst day at work ever, but was... One could say that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was a very nice Bond girl. I thought she was... She saved the day. She did. Firing the... Uh, being a guidance programmer and mm-hmm. firing the retro rockets. Very good on her own right. Yep. Any other details you want to add? I thought I thought the psychologist was um, 
I understand why it was there because M's speech later on that we'll oh. talk about was all the more poignant, you know, and her commentary of James Bond as a as a person. Mm-hmm. I just thought the psychologist was a bit a bit silly. First of all, you're trying to analyze James. Don't even get in the Aston Martin. Wow, why would you ever get in the car? But like, no, you you get in that car, Mister Bond, you automatically fail. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're done. But no, she got it. Oh wait, wait, wait. She's not a Bond girl at all. But can we mention Mini Driver as the uh, oh Irina? Yes, as Irina. So you haven't lost your delicate sense of humor, Valentine. All you need for an audience. I'm strangling the cat. Strangling a cat. That is Irina, my mistress. Very talented girl. Irina! Take a hike! So, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Plus yeah, love, essentially, that's a great scene. There was I had forgotten that Mini Driver was in yeah. it until I rewatched it a few months ago, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Mini Driver!" Stand by, old man. <laughs> that's a good scene. Welcome to Bonding Over Bond, running rankings. <laughs> Opening sequence. I. I'm a huge fan of this opening sequence. Mm-hmm. And I know it kind of gets a bad rap you know, from some people with the uh, the whole airplane skipping all the way to the end of the final part of the opening sequence with the airplane off the cliff and him on the motorcycle mm-hmm. diving in the kitchen and pulling it out, pulling pulling the airplane uh, from smashing into the ground. I really enjoyed the scene. The only problem, the, the problem I have is I don't know if I love it because it's a good scene or because of the video game. It's a good opening sequence. It is a pretty... I, I have it at the top... Top third. Middle third. It's going to be top third for me. I'm going to be, it's going to be right around the 8 to 11 spot. We're getting, we're getting far enough in the podcast where it's actually not projections anymore because there's three, there's Goldeneye, three more Pierce, and then the, the Daniel Craig's. And I know pretty much where the Daniel Craig's are going to go. That's my problem is that it, it, and so I knew this one's going to make the top third. It's going to be on the cusp for me. Okay. Um, it was a good scene though. I mean, the whole diving off the dam and everything, and... Yeah. That was a real stunt, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real dive. Main movie song. Tina Turner, baby. Top third. All day long. I have it at the bottom of the middle third. Man, it's nonsense. I just... There's a lot... There's a lot better songs out there. It was... It was good. This is a Bond song. No, actually, it's a uh, a Bono song and the Edge song, performed by Tina Turner. I would have loved to hear their version. Me too. Oh, that was their song. She just, they wrote it. They wrote it, but they didn't perform it. Yeah. So then it would have been even better for you, right? Maybe. I mean, I like you too. I'm a. I'm a YouTube fan. I don't know if I would say a fan. Well, I, I, fans probably. There's like a whole middle section of their catalog that, that yeah. I like have not listened to. Mm-hmm. But I like some of their stuff. Joshua Tree is a great album. It wasn't horrible. An Irish band for an Irish Bond. That would have been nice. Would have been a nice little touch. That's right. He is Irish, isn't he? He's very Irish. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cars. 
So, middle third? Top third. It's going to be in the top third. Guaranteed. The BMW is the car. Correct. With an Aston Martin. Yeah, I know. I don't make the rules. It just makes it so... I don't make the rules. I just follow them. No, I literally make the rules. You literally make the rules. Yep. Based on previous conversations. Exactly. (laughs) If there was no Aston Martin, that BMW would still be in the top third. With the Aston Martin, this movie is going to be in the top third for the cars cars section. I, I... The problem I have is, I think this is... Is this the first film we see the DB5... With another great car, because this, there this are is arguably... several more after this in the Craig era and the next film where the DB5 will make another appearance. So I kind of think we need to draw a line in the sand right now. If not, we're going to have a bunch of cars with questionable asterisks next to them. So the same thing with let's just jump ahead. We've all seen Spectre. You know, we've talked about Spectre in our in one of our previous odd jobs. Mm-hmm. There's a DB10 and the DB5. What is the car of Spectre? The DB10. Why does that one get the pass? The DB5 is not... All he's doing is driving away at the end of the film in that one. All he's doing in this one is driving at the front of the movie in this one. He's doing... No, he's doing part of the beginning of a mission in this DB5. Getting analyzed by the psychologist is part of the mission? No, there's that... There's the car chase, things that make a Bond car. Doing work for MI6, banging chicks, and car chases. <laughs> the DB5 checks off on all three of those. Or and, and Q, Q gadgets. Check, 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 check. This is just me one we're going to differ on. So I'm going to go with, it's going to be the middle third for me. You're also the guy that included a Chevy truck as one That's of your... because that is well, the... Uh... That is the car from Rush with mm-hmm. Let's agree to disagree. The villain. Top third. I have, I have this villain at the top third. I'm at the near the top of the middle third. Mm-hmm. So bottom. I, I could be persuaded that to the uh, the bottom of the top third. Okay. And just for clarification, we're talking about Trevlin is the villain. Or are you talking about is it a laundry list of Trevlin or however you want to pronounce this Trevelin? Oromoff and Anatop. Well, Anatop is to me a henchman, mm-hmm. henchwoman, mm-hmm. a hench person. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's General Orlov and Alec. Or Oromoff. Oromoff and Alec. Oromoff yep. and uh, Alec are the villains of this film. Okay. Together they had this plan of. Much betraying. like yeah. Rosa Klebb and uh, Donald Red Grant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very much so. All right. Okay. The actor's portrayal is Bond. James Bond. I uh, I don't know how you feel about Brosnan. Um, he's not Dalton. He's not horrible in this portrayal. All right. Well, again, we, I think we're far enough. We can cut. You know, this is not our first or second or third or yeah. fourth. One might even say it's our seventeenth <laughs> podcast. One might even say, "No, guys, you've done some double O thirties." Okay. Let's stop pretending we need to project mm-hmm. anymore. There's only one Bond that we haven't done a podcast on. We've talked about Spectre. We can stop pretending. We've covered all the Bonds. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a battle, and I haven't decided yet, and I'm going to go through the full 24 movies. First place is a battle between Connery and Craig. Absolutely. 
Second place to me is a battle between Dalton and Pierce. We differ. Behind them, Roger Moore has sole possession of whatever place that's going to be at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then George Lazenby is batting cleanup. Mm-hmm. Versus I'm Connor and Craig, the debate there. Mm-hmm. Dalton standalone. The battle between Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan and Lazenby batting cleanup. Yeah. I, I liked him, though. This is by far Pierce Brosnan's best movie, in my opinion. But not his best portrayal not of Bond. Not his best portrayal of Bond. It's the best movie he's in. Yep. I agree with that. However, I will say, this is the James Bond that looks exactly like Ian Fleming designed, has described him. Light blue eyes, dark hair, the build. Good points. Rank the overall movie. So, Scott. Yes. We've ranked uh, everything in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of top tier on most of the things, and you're like middle middle tier. Do you yeah. like GoldenEye? Where do you rank it? Where's it at for you? I think it's going to be... Um, if, it, if there wasn't such a stretch of great Daniel Craig movies coming up, it would be in the top third all the time. But I think it's going to find its way um, the bottom of the top third to the middle of the... Of, the top of the middle third. Mm-hmm. So it, does it make it in the top third for you? Yeah, that's one of uh, it's one of my all-time Bond films. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's up there. Absolutely. What big you, uh, What were there any main things before we get into the love hate kill? Yeah, I I, I think there's some things that that did stand out. We kind of talked on briefly. I don't I don't know if you want to go into a little more detail because of your. Um, your enjoyment of the subplot of the 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 driving factor for 006 for Alec to to have this revenge plot to mm-hmm. kind of uh, line with the at that time Soviet Union then during the time of the film the Russians yeah. to betray the MI6 and the British government I thought it was you know this is what only the second film away from original content of Ian Fleming. You know, with License to Kill, they mm-hmm. took the name, and then GoldenEye is named after Ian Fleming's estate in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And I'm not by any means a scholar on the uh, Lens or Lien's Cossacks, uh-huh. but I thought it was a pretty interesting subject or interesting plot line for the franchise to take. Yeah. Um, pretty deep stuff, pretty... You know, uh, uh, as Bond sta- stated back to uh, Alec, uh, not not Britain's finest hour. You know, right? You know, so Britain's had a lot of those. Well, and, and not and, finest and, hours, and not knowing anything about that subject. You know, uh, just reading the Wikipedia page on it. You know, America, the U- United States was guilty of it. Well, mm-hmm. as well, the um, the repatriate repatriatizing, if that's a word, of the former. Uh, citizens of the Soviet Union back to Stalin. It was part of the agreement with um, the Yalta and the Tehran conferences with Stalin, mm-hmm. uh, Churchill, and FDR. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody with that fought against the Soviet Union got repatriatized back to Soviet Union, and they were pretty much executed on site or, yeah. or put in the gulag and whatnot. Yeah. I want to study that a lot more. Fucking Nazis. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that wasn't necessarily... I mean, they... <laughs> There's there's a lot more to that story, right? I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, some of these people weren't were never even citizens of the Soviet Union. Right. They left during 
the Bolshevik Revolution, right. the Red Army, you know. Yeah. So they don't they didn't consider themselves Soviets, and right? So fighting with the Nazis against the Soviets was not that crazy. You know, this is way into the weeds. You know, maybe for uh, for your eyes only content. You know, that we can talk about. It's pretty deep. I think it's an yeah, important. It's amazing that the, they you went know some down of that road. And, and this is part of why when when I rank the villain, I, I think 006 Alec he he gets a little higher. This is a really deep and and I would say very true reasoning. Like you, it's mm-hmm. not one of those like. Oh, I, I want to create an a you know an Aryan race and go up into the moon, or yeah. you know I just want to I blow want up the to world. Live underneath the sea and the or, oceans. Yeah, yeah, or the stereotypical you know Mike Myers ripping off James Bond of like one billion dollars. <laughs> you know, it's not something like that. This is this is a really sinister, pretty but, dark, stuff. but you know, rooted in a place that's real world. Like that's yeah. how terrorism starts. That's how you know revenge plots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not again, we don't have, we're not going to get too deep into it, but I, I really liked the realism that that was rooted into. Um, you know, that's the kind of shit that someone does betray their country for. Yeah. Um, oh, that kind of stuff, true. especially when you're a, a young child and you see your father kill. It's a, there was a murder suicide. Yeah. You know, if, if anyone doesn't was, pick that up, his yeah. father and he saw it, you know, he was, he was old enough that it stayed in his memory. Like that, that shit stays with you. Yeah. And really drives you as a man and, you know, to making life decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really important. And then a complete 180, uh, from that is just the light heartedness <laughs> of the, the reoccurring characters. So we talked earlier about, uh, Q, that scene. Uh, with, with Q um, going through the gadgets, yeah, uh, and the just sandwich, the humor, the whole sandwich. Yeah, thing. no, what is That's this? My lunch. That's my, yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a a number of reoccurring characters in this film. Um, M, even though Judy Dame Judy Dench, uh, she will become an occurring character. The character of M, the role of M, is reoccurring. She's a future reoccurring. Uh, Bill Tanner makes an appearance. Money Penny, um, Jack new, Wade, new, new Money Penny, New Money new, Penny new again. Tanner. Um, uh, is that the first appearance of Tanner? It's not the first appearance. It's uh but it's a new, Definitely a, new one. a new Tanner. Uh Jack Wade is gonna be he's a reoccurring character, yeah. plus the traditional like they just like to recycle, recycle. actors. That's Wacker. Um, which for us it's been what, like two weeks? Yeah. You know, <laughs> since we were kind of watching uh The Living Daylights. The Living Daylights. Yep. Since we were watching The Living Daylights. Uh, but for the rest of the world, it was something closer to eight years. Yeah. You know, since he was in that film. So little, there's a lot that's gonna be in between there. But for us, it was like, they just saw you. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like Henderson. Henderson becoming Blofeld. He right. And uh, you only live twice and then became Blofeld and died. Uh, right. Die forever. Right. Yeah. And then I think two, two big things, uh, kind of before we move on, uh, is two speeches, which we're gonna play real quick. The first being, uh, M. Kind of dressing down James mm. here. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers and your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, W7. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. 
that's a pretty good dressing down of yeah, absolutely. James Bond. And I think one of there's Vesper's speech to James, this speech to James, and then um uh Fiona Volpe. Volpe. Oh, where she Volpe's like dressing the, down. I think those top three are the the talking about uh, kind of referring back to the Goldfinger yeah. scene with Pussy Galore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. That we played in, in the Thunderball podcast. Right. I that that scene with Judy Dench M ripping apart Bond is one of my favorites by far and I totally forgot about it until watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was in doing and watching it, I was like, man, we need to put this in the podcast. I, right. I really enjoyed this. It scene. sets up Judy Dench well to yeah. walk into this role. Oh yeah. Where I mean it it's crazy to think it's only been, you know, twenty years kind of since this movie came out. Yeah. But having a female mm-hmm. and that was a big deal. Yeah. And just, it's crazy to think about the 90s. Yep. You know, you think, you know, you know, the world's progressive. We're first world countries, both us and Great Britain. That, I mean, Great Britain has had a female leader and a prime minister. Yep. But still to have a female as the boss of James Bond was still was like, whoa, can mm. she do this? Is she up for the challenge? And very quickly. Yeah. And one of her first scenes, she's like, yeah, no, I can be here. I deserve to be here. I earned this job. Yeah. And I know exactly who you are, James. It, it, it nails it spot on. Yeah. Too. It, for me, it was a bookend. Like, it really, having this made me totally respect her more in Skyfall. Uh-huh. Just having, you know, obviously I had seen it before, but just refreshing my memory and having seen Skyfall more recently, it was like just a bookend of Judy Dench as M, and it just completed the whole thing for me. The crazy thing is, I mean, you got to remember that Daniel Craig's a reboot. Yeah. So the M we see here is very different than the M... She portrays in the Craig version. In the Craig timeline, she recruits and nurtures and, you know, James is one of her spies. And this one, I mean, one of his opening lines when he's talking about your predecessor, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very much the Bernard Lee was M and then there was a general that was M Mm -hmm. and now you're M and then the reboot, you know, she's always been the M character. So I think that was interesting to watch, you know, how she began as M and then how she changed, um, you know, yeah, she maybe toned out a little bit. It was a different, I think a different character. It wasn't someone who had to, to earn that role. That it was, more. I'll have to look, I'll have to dive into a little more when I want and keep that in mind when I watch it. I don't see him that drastically that far, but now that you, you know, I, I can, I can also, I think while I'm making the tone of more, of, she started as the crazy hard M. Uh huh and mellowed over the years as her has her love and respect like there's a crossing of her being hard and her respect for him crossing to a point where maybe she's too forgiving for him at times but i don't know but knowing that there is a trip there is a total reboot right you know i have to i have to factor that into it as well so i'll think about that more yeah were there anything like one of the things i loved about the movie was the, the tank scene Talking Before about, we get there, the yeah. other oh, yeah, the yeah, other speech yeah, the other we wanted, wanted to yeah. put in yep. was I and this is again another 180. We're going serious to lighthearted. Uh, Money Penny's little interaction with uh, James before they go yeah. into the meeting, which where well, we'll play it. Money Penny, I'm devastated. What would I ever do without you? As far as I can remember, James, you've never had me. Hope springs eternal. You know, this sort of behavior could qualify as sexual harassment. Really? What's the penalty for that? Someday you have to make good on your innuendos. 
after you, Money Penny. No, I insist. You first. And her just saying about the innuendos, it's just like what every fan has been thinking. One you day know, you're gonna have to make that, good on this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just their chemistry, they're pretty good. I like her uh, a lot together. It's a good, Penny. yeah, Money Penny. You know, which we haven't really seen um, that kind of interaction since probably I would say Sean Connery. Um, and Lois Maxwell had agree. that kind of chemistry I would agree. together. Roger Moore and her just never, Mm-mm. never quite, you know, had that sexual energy mm-hmm. that she had with Sean Connery. No, I'd absolutely agree with that. But you were saying with the tank? Oh, just the tank scene, talking about how the the uh, the somewhat of the dark origin, you know, story, but the lightheartedness of it. Uh, just the one of my favorite parts of the tank scene is when he just goes through a wall or something like that, and mm-hmm. then. Instead of doing a raised eyebrow or something like Roger Moore would do, he just adjusts his tie in such a way like, right? Ah, that was like that was uncomfortable. Barely made it out of there, you know, type of thing. So that was one of my favorite scenes um, in the tank scene. I think the tank scene definitely sets the movie up to be a '90s action film. Yeah, just as over the top, like you're really driving through what I'm assuming is Moscow and a tank. You know, this Petersburg, is maybe? or. It might actually we'll fact check this. They do put it at the at the bottom of the screen, don't they? What city they're in? Yeah, he flies to St. Petersburg. Right, you're. I think you're right. I'm sorry. Which is still a large yeah. city. You know, it's yeah. it's a, it, a former city of this of Russia. So it's not you know like he's going through a country town here. Mm-hmm. This is a, a very large, populous city. Mm-hmm. He's driving a fucking tank down through. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, James. Yeah. All right, so throw in the, one of the last things I want to say before we move on to uh, the realism, love, hate, kill. Little, little another nugget in there. When he's talking to Jack Wade and he mm-hmm. mentions to James Bond, hey, do you do any gardening? Yeah. That's a nod to the origin of the name, uh, James Bond. How so? Uh, Ian Fleming got it from a order. Or what is it? Horticulture. Horticulture. Yeah, a uh, book written by James Bond. That's right. He wanted the most bland name in the world, or yeah. something. I remember this story now. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that it was a perfect transition too. For, if you remember the scene where he was, you stiff ass Brit. I'm not going to answer your sine cosine question. You know, in in England, mm-hmm. winter is in April, so winter month or whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Right. And then he just like makes him show, puts the gun on him, makes him show him the rose. Yeah. And then it's like all is forgiven by, hey, Bond, do you do any gardening? It right. was a, it, not only is it a nice nod, but it's a nice transition. Yeah, not I, thought the, I thought the movie had a, a good number of nods. And then mm-hmm. unrelated to the film, I'm, I would be interested to see what the first draft of GoldenEye was. Mm-hmm. Did you know that they had to rewrite it because know. of Arnold Schwarzenegger's True Lies? Really? Apparently True Lies came out and it was apparently... The exact same plot, like a very similar like, to what they were going to do, and they had to scramble and rewrite Goldeneye. I would love to see what the first. Me too. Would have been. I, I love True Lies. That, yeah, that was a good movie too. Yeah, another movie with a Harrier. Yeah, <laughs> your dad would love to. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one in theaters too. <laughs> oh, one other thing I, I forgot to mention was uh, I thought the antenna scene in Cuba mm-hmm. under the water. Yeah. Is that a bit much for you? No, it was like a complete throwback to like the volcano and you only live twice. Right, yeah. And I, I was like, as I was watching it again, I was just sitting there, 
It's like they almost took the exact same surface set, the miniature or whatever they do, <laughs> and just added a little more tree, uh-huh. palm trees to it. That would have been funny if they did. Yeah. But I'm sure that set had long been taken down. Yeah. From that. So, I mean, going into realism, mm-hmm. did you feel that GoldenEye was a realistic film? Um, Besides the tank scene? And honestly, the tank scene is not the thing that's unrealistic to me. It's the whole space laser stuff like that. I mean, do we have that? Is that possible? Um, it's essentially a, a satellite that can launch an EMP. Mm-hmm. Essentially is what it is. Yeah. Who knows if that's possible? It could. could exist. What do we know? I don't, to- I don't think it was totally unrealistic. I think there's been worse realism movies in the series. Yeah. How about you? Are you I didn't think it was bad at all. I mean, there's, as you said, there's been worse uh, besides the tank, the tank scene. I thought it was, you know, you, as long as you buy into the plot mm-hmm. that there's a satellite that mm-hmm. can launch an EMP. Yep. Which seems it's a good weapon. Yeah. You know, leaves a leaves a area, all you know, all the electronics wiped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, hey, it's, it's a smart weapon. And, and to defend the tank scene from it, I think if you took out thirty seconds or so of that, it's it's less asinine. Like the whole statue riding yeah. on top of the tank. That's yeah. where I'm like, okay, okay, we're getting a little yeah, bit tone it far down. here. Tone it yeah. down. There's Other many times in the tank scene, I'm like, yeah, someone could grab a tank and bust through a wall. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Yeah. And uh, what did you love? Uh, we, we've already talked to the M and Bond, uh, discussion, uh-huh. uh, the tank going through the archive wall. Yeah. Uh, the movie makes me really want to play the N64 game. That's the like first I thing stole, I wrote down. Yeah. Love at the N64 game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the spy versus spy, the 006 death, you know, the, the, the final scene with, uh, with Bond yeah. and Trevlin or Alec, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the whole Bond knocks him down. Jumps and grabs him, catches him just so he can have the moment to say, no, it's for me, and then drops him again. You know, it's yeah. kind of dark. Not really. I mean, it's just dick. <laughs> it's a dick move. But like, hey, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, I'm not done with you. Now just, I'm done with yeah, you. Oh, now it's, yeah, there we go. Franklin James? Yeah. No. No. For me. What about you? What'd you love? Um, I think you mentioned, a, well, we're on the same page, I think, with this one, mm-hmm. which kind of shocks me because we... We talk about the film and you seem to enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's like the opposite of Octopussy mm-hmm. where you really enjoyed it. Then we get to the podcast and it's like, eh. but this one, it's like we get to the podcast. You have a lot of positive things to say, but you kind of, it's lower in your rankings than one would. Well, it's going to be higher think. than Octopussy. I can tell you that. I'm just Which saying is- it's like the inverse of Octopussy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in the sense of, you know. Our conversations and texts prior to getting to recording and then the day of recording, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, oh, really? You have it, you have it that low based on kind of your excitement for the film. And, but either way, uh, M, I really liked, uh, Judy Dench as M. The one liners, as hard as I would, was on the Roger Moore era with the one liners. I thought these were really good. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of it. They're spreading it around like, uh, you know, M's getting some good digs on James, mm-hmm. uh, Monty Penny. It has some good one-liners. Q is getting him some good one-liners. Uh, the Bond girls are getting some good jokes thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the interaction with uh, what's the guy's name? The Russian. That was you know there's some good oh, one-liners. Vladimir, uh, whatever his name is. Yeah, I didn't Shot write it down, and I'm not trying to butcher that name. Valentine or Valentine Zakovsky. Yeah, him. 
you know, so I like that. And I like Pierce, uh, even though I rank him kind of hard on him on the rankings. I like Pierce as James Bond. Uh, he's not bad. He's not bad. He's not bad at all. He's the white collar Bond. That's the way I always. He just he just seems like he's got some level of arrogance and. But don't you think Bond? I don't know. Like he comes. He's you know you. I read Bond in the novels, and it's it comes across. I, I think Pierce. I, I I don't know. I don't hate him as much. I think as after I did. these four podcasts, I think he might find himself winning out in that battle with uh, Tim Dalton. Really? Yeah, but it's the oh, I'm sorry. It's the you know the classic what if you know there could have only been Pierce. You know, Pierce has been offered this role going all Many the times. way back to the 70s, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out because of Remington Steele, and he couldn't get the part. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we did the whole what if when Timothy Dalton first started out, where he could have been in four or five or six or seven films. Mm-hmm. Pierce could have been James Bond all since the 80s. Yeah, you know, he could have been. He could have had a Roger Moore run of of Bonds. Same with you know Tim Dalton. So I think if Tim Dalton had more, maybe. But as I say, every t- every movie, even though the plots get worse. Tim, or excuse me, Pierce as Bond gets better. better. It's like an inverse, yeah, I agree with that. you know, chart. And I, I just, I like his portrayal of Bond and what he brings to the role. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked it a lot better this, this watch than the previous watch. Yeah. So. What'd you hate about it? The Cessna crash in Cuba when they get hit with the missile. Uh-huh. Other than that, I really didn't hate too much. I didn't hate anything. Yeah. Which is why it's up there. It's one of my all time yeah. favorite Bond films. Actually, no, I, I'm lying. The overproduced soundtrack. You really think so? I just... I, that's actually one thing... Like the... Can, it's not really a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like... That... That fake... Are you talking like the... Is there any... Oh, the, like in the gun barrel, starting yeah. with the gun barrel, like that... That... I don't know what it is. I'm not a musical person, person like, to put my finger on what exactly they use to create sure that sound. Yeah. Uh, but no. No, thank you. I do think, though, that they... I, I get what you're what you're talking about, like the like the water drop or whatever, and then the bam bam whatever the different noises that they had. Yeah. The very early mid nineties noise yeah. synthesizer stuff. Mm-hmm. I do think though they did have some great percussion or not percussion, excuse me, but horn John Barry like chase scene music scores, if you will. Well I'm not criticizing the the score as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's just that those parts where they would have that overly synthesized produced electronic dj whatever i remember at this time when this movie came out moby did a remix of the james bond theme song so i don't know if he had a hand in this or if there was some electronica european djing Mm -hmm. you know that that added to like that noise that specific style but i wasn't a fan of it and i was happy next movie that there's going to be another new gun barrel sequence to get rid of um the gun barrel sequence used in this one, or at least the music used. Uh, so I, I'm, I was happy for that. Cool. So that's uh, something I didn't like and will want killed. That was killed. <laughs> so what else would you kill in this film? I had nothing, nothing for the kill. I think I would, I would shave some time from the tank scene. I would shave it a little uh, bit. Yeah, that... I would keep the tank scene. I would just shave it a little bit, tiny bit. And then that's where I wonder if you would think the realism was even more. If you drop, if you get rid of this, the, you get rid of the statue on top of the tank. I think that yeah. that whole tank chase gets much more realistic. Uh, so, so do I. I agree with that. Um, anything else you would get rid of? No. I would put if I could go back in time. Mm-hmm. 
I would say to the producers, hey, look, you found a formula where you, you invested some money in a Bond film. You got a, some money out. They, to be specific, they put $58 million in. They got $356.4 million out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, you did the whole 90s action film. The formula worked for you. Don't double down on it. Mm-hmm. Stop. Invest in the plot because that's what got you GoldenEye. Not the money you put into it. Not the 90s action part of it. That just worked for you. The plot is what made an all-time great Bond film. And I think as the Pierce uh, era moves on, they start doubling down on the wrong parts of what made GoldenEye great. Which is the 90s action, the production value, um, and they take away from plot and, you know, a story. Yeah. That's believable. And then we end up with the ever-so-wonderful Die Another Day with its over-CGI, the over-the-top plot, you know, just action, just ridiculousness. Another space laser. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) One of the things, you know, I want to touch real quick because I forgot to bring it up when we were discussing earlier in the movie. I think we're breaking a record here for the longest podcast. Maybe this is something about we, we actually, like... This is another point that I like this movie more than I give it credit for. But Michael G. Wilson, the one of the co- the co-producer, uh-huh. he, this I didn't realize how many cameos he makes in the series. Oh, really? He was in this movie. Where? He's in the next movie. In this movie, he was at the table, uh, the defense counsel table, with uh, Michigan. And when uh, Oromov comes in and briefs them about the mishap at Saranova, uh-huh. uh-huh. Sarnaya, yeah, he's one of the first guys in the scene. Okay. And if you go into IMDb for Michael G. Wilson, uh-huh. he was in a he's a, he likes make so many cameos in all the films. Oh, really? Yeah. So I thought it was really cool. And, and I'm gonna then, go back and check that yeah, out. Yeah, the next one he's very prominent in the next one. Okay. Uh, with with uh, Carver. Okay. He's, he one of, he's one of Carver's minions on the TV screen. Okay. So all right, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's bring it home. Okay. Good morning, people. I just landed in. Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. So, next, a more poignant plot than is given credit for. Make sure to download our podcast, not just on iTunes. Not just on Podbean, but on Stitcher, oh, yeah. or go to our website yep. and find it. If you have an iPhone, if you what have an website? Android, if you have a computer, <laughs> you can listen to our podcast. Tell all your friends. There's no excuse anymore for somebody to say, oh, I, I don't know where to find Bonding Over Bond, or I don't have the right app for... Nope. No excuse. It's out there. It's, it's out there. If you're a Bond fan. Yeah. Um, and then follow us on social media, Twitter, at Bonding Over Bond. Uh, very, very active there. Yeah, we are. Uh, if you tweet us, we'll try to tweet you back. Yep. Uh, Facebook, simply search uh, Bonding Over Bond. You'll find our Facebook page and send us emails. Uh, we want to start a mailbag. We keep saying that, uh, but we do have a few letters we're just kind of holding yep. um, until we get a you know a slow podcast, which we have a feeling. It's coming, <clears throat> it's coming pretty soon. They're coming up, uh, so uh, sneak peek on that. So if you want, if you want to be in the inaugural mailbag, we're trying to give you a hint to our listeners, you know, that it's coming up. So get those emails in because there's some good ones we have to read so far. So if you want to be a part of that, 
get a better email than the ones that we already kind of have handpicked. Scott has a few that he selected. I have a few that I selected. And then we're going to kind of surprise each other. And then uh, when we do it, I'll read an email. And then obviously I have read it, so we'll get Scott's initial reaction. And then one of the ones that he picked, he'll read, and we'll get a reaction. So time's running out. So we're trying to kind of give... Our listeners, a warning there. Everything's fair game. Yeah. If, it, if we think it'll contribute to the podcast, we'll absolutely. Have it in there. So if not, we'll still answer. And it. if it, if we you. feel it will contribute and it's not bond related, we'll even add that. Yeah. You know, if you have some, <laughs> uh, you know, Scott's talked about some passions he has about aviation. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, if you send us a, a good horror story of uh, uh, some flights you were on or something, Scott could add to. <laughs> or if he has some general <laughs> general aviation questions. Uh, you know, Scott can answer that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just feel free to surprise us and make it good, and we'll we'll talk about that. That email that they could send emails to, what is it, Scott? Bondingoverbond at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you want to go to our website right now, uh, you're going to find a nice coming soon page. The website in the future will be... Uh, bondingoverbond.com. And right now we're being hosted at the lionizepodcast.com backslash bondingoverbond. At that site, you can find a review for Spectre. Yep. You could find... Current running rankings. Our current running rankings is also on there. A little more about us. And then obvi- and then we have uh, the links to all our podcasts that mm-hmm. are on the site. And our most current podcast is featured there prominently up front. And then an, an explanation also of not only this format or review format, our odd job format, which we've done, but also an upcoming format, the For Your Eyes Only. Very excited about that. Yeah. We have a lot of work in the background. We're, we're really excited. And um, you also can find uh, more content, trivia, news, and starting soon, our... Let's, let's be honest. Corrections will be on, on Bonding Over Bonding. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. But we're working on it. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah, we're getting go, there. Go, go, go check out Lion Eyes. We've got a lot of good Slowly stuff and slowly, but surely, as yep. they say. And remember... Pierce Brosnan is not just James Bond. He's a bona fide 90s action star. Indeed. Thank you for bonding with us here at Bonding Over Bond. Until next time, shake it. Don't stir. You'll never know how it feels to be the one who's left behind.
All in is doing. Dead damn it! This is. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Double six alive and behind it, behind it all, and is doing all this. There we go. That was a stumble fuck if I ever heard one. We'll do it live. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing suck. All right. All right, let's try that let's again. Let's try that again. Let's try it again. Shenanigans. All right, in three, two, one. This podcast brought to you by Ty. Ty, <laughs> Ty who is up again. Look at that.